0: Amen. All right. Hey, I don't
1: know if you guys know this or not, but uh, Ken and Jess, they came from New York, which is where we came from, too. One thing I learned when you first get to New York, you're driving one of those New York cars, you're full of ice and, and salt and stuff. Man, your car rusts out. Man, we got over here, and our, our, I don't know about your guys' car, but man, ours freaked out as soon as they hit the West Coast here. Man, I mean, that gas tanks were rusting out and everything. But anyway, but apparently last week, Ken had some car troubles. Where's he at? He's trying to hide yeah, he's trying to hide. But anyway, he had some car troubles, man. He was trying to get to the office here, Ron. I get it, though. You know, that rust factor. And, and so he had to take a, ca- a taxi cab to get to the office here, apparently. And uh, never having taken a Las Vegas cab before. Anybody here take one of those? An experience, okay? And so, so he never took one before. So he, he taps the taxi cab driver on the shoulder just to ask him a question. Ken does. But as soon as he did listen, the taxi cab driver, he screamed bloody murder. He, he lost total control of the car. He nearly hits a bus. He goes up on this footpath. He stops about just inches from a window. And then for a second, everything went quiet in the cab. And the, the, the driver said, "He listen, buddy, don't you ever do that again. You scare the daylights out of me. Ken, he goes, he apologized. He said, man, I didn't realize a little tap on the shoulder scare a guy so much. And, and the driver, he called him down a little bit. He said, hey, listen, listen, I, I, I'm sorry. It's really, it's really not your fault. You see, today's my first day as a taxi cab driver. Uh, for the last 25 years, I've been driving a hearse. <laughs> right? Makes sense. OK. Think about it. How many guys would say that the taxi cab driver's and reaction was completely justified once you learned the context of what was really going on there, okay? It makes total sense, okay? He was scared out of his wits, okay? Unfortunately, he's not alone, okay? And I'm not talking just riding around with Ken. journey in itself. Where'd he go? But anyway, that's right. <laughs> but seriously, folks, he is not alone. Many people today are also having run-ins, if you will, with Christians, and they're scared out of their wits, too. Why? Because, man, we're tapping them on the shoulders to, hey, look at, the, look at God. But what impression are we giving them? Like God's not even there, like a practical atheist, right? And they're freaking out. Whoa, what happened to God? Whoa, you're supposed to emulate him, right? And this has been going on so long that we now have a whole generation of Christians and it's producing churches that are acting like practical atheists. We say we believe in God, of course, right? That's the right answer on the test. But half the time, with our lips and our eyes, we're giving a different impression. We're freaking people out. In essence, like that taxi cab driver. So to avoid this irony of you and I as Christians living like practical atheists by not knowing who God is, we're going to continue in our study on the character of God. Now, we've already seen, hello, the basic thing, hello, God is what? He is real, okay? The second thing, he is personal or intimate. Jesus died for a personal, loving, intimate relationship with God, the creator of the universe. Third thing we saw, he's wise. Why would you go anywhere else? God never gets it wrong. He knows it all. He'll never steer you wrong. Always go to him for advice. The fourth thing, hello, he is sovereign, which means he's in control of how many things? All things. And then he throws on the blessing. Oh, for those who love him, do you love him? Yeah, I'll work all things together for good. It's absolutely amazing truth is sovereignty. Then the last seven times, we saw the fifth thing about God. He is powerful, right? Remember that? Boom! God is powerful. Now you're awake, Tom. That's right. Not you, Tom. Just in general. Other people. Okay. But there we saw, here's the issue. If we're losing out on the power of God, okay, by losing out on our first love. Remember that study the last three times? And it wasn't just, whoa. where did it go? I don't know. Remember in the Greek, it's literally the word divorce. You actually woke up one day and says, no, I divorced my first love for Jesus. He's not first anymore. I made a deliberate decision. Whoa. Isn't that creepy? Now what we saw, a wonder of wonders, even though God in whom we've done that to, after all he's done for us, Talk about mercy. He shows us how to get it back. Can you believe that? Still blows me away. He tells us to do three things. Number one, remember our previous behavior we saw in Revelation 2. Repent, hello, of your current behavior. And number three, redo the right behavior right now. Get back on track. Still blows me away. The fact that God, after all we've done to him and turned away from him, he says, I'll tell you how to get it back. Now, as cool as that is, now it's time for this one, as you can see. The sixth thing, folks, we got to understand about God's character If we're gonna stop acting like these practical atheists, I think this is really the big one. You know, it's very tempting to start off with this one, okay? But that's the holiness of God. God is holy. In fact, this is the only attribute in all of Scripture that is repeated three times in a row repeatedly. Holy, holy, holy. Now, what you need to understand is the basic Bible interpretation rule is anything that's repeated, even once is basically God, he wants you to know all his word, but this is basically God saying, I really want you to get this one. And this isn't once, this isn't twice. Three times, God says, I am holy, holy, holy. In fact, all of heaven, including the church, needs to have an appropriate response. Now, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to his holy word in the holy Bible. Remember those days when it wasn't just the Bible, it was the holy Bible? What's happened? Have we gotten too comfortable with this term? I kind of think so. Revelation chapter 4. Let's take a look at the throne room scene of God. Okay, if you find the dictionary, Bob, you do? You hang on left. Hang on left. it's absolutely correct. Revelation chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Now, i will set the scene as you get there where John is being caught up into the actual throne room scene of God. And he sees God's throne there. It is absolutely marvelous. It's all decked out, a, a rainbow. It just, it just fantastic whatever and he's going to see some living creatures there some cherubim angelic creatures there and he's going to start to describe them but listen to the response of these creatures that surround the throne room of god you're also going to see the 24 elders that's the church after the rapture in heaven while the seven-year tribulation goes on but listen to the response of the people in the throne room of heaven what characteristic is brought out by the very uh throne room of god but let's take a look there at verse 7. He says this, In the center around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and back. Verse 7, The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Now, listen, each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And listen, not just once in a while, not just on a weekend, not just during a worship song, but listen, day and night, they never stop saying of all attributes of God to pop out not just once, not just twice. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He's coming back, folks. When other living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, God, who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, that's us, the church, fall down before him. Who sits on the throne. And we worship him too. Who lives forever and ever. And then we lay down our crowns before the throne. And we say you God are worthy. Our Lord and God to receive glory. Honor and power. Why? Because you created all things. And by your will they were created. And have their being. Holy. 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 Holy is what he says here. In this text, John sees this vision of the actual throne room of God himself. And what's he see? He sees the angels, the living creatures. He sees the saints, you and I, the church, up in heaven during the seven-year tribulation. And what's the response of every in heaven in the throne room of God? They are laying prostrate on the ground. They are praising God. Why? What were they shouting? Day and night. They never stopped saying this phrase of all attributes. God is holy. He is holy. He is holy. The Lord God Almighty. And because of
0: this, boom
1: had an instructor, you know, you can say, fall down your face. He, he always said this phrase, sucking carpet, <laughs> right? You're down there with your face to the ground, man, sucking carpet, right? And that's what these guys were doing, okay? That includes us, okay? And I really believe that this is one of the biggest problems in the American church today. Why are we seeing such aberrant behavior? Why are we seeing such a casual, convenient Christianity? Why are we seeing so much talk about cheap grace and, and the, the gospel? It's all just about self and self because you don't understand the holiness of God, in whom you say you have a relationship with, in whom you say you appreciate the relationship with, in whom you say you worship. When you look at heaven worshiping God, man, it's, he is holy, he is, and they're sucking carpet. They are revering God for what? Of all attributes. His holiness, his holy character. Okay? But again, I really think this is why the American church is acting so much like a practical atheist. We've lost sight of the holiness of God. And I think part of it is, again, and I, and I did with the scripture, I think we're, we're too familiar with the term. We just call the Bible the Bible. Again, what happened to the Holy Bible? The Word of God. What happened to the Holy Word of God? We're we're way too familiar with this term holiness and and just holy. We use it, frankly, all the time in an unholy way. I mean, we even joke about, hey, holy cow. Holy smokes, Batman. Holy macaroni. Some people, unfortunately, go holy, and I can't say it. But the, the Greek word for holy, as we've seen before, is hagias, and it means literally, listen, something sacred, something pure from every fault, something completely immaculately clean. And again, don't get me wrong, cow's cool, okay, but I don't think it deserves being called holy cow uh, in reference to the same thing as God. Okay, don't tell my... Well, you didn't hear that, did you, ready Okay, uh, but listen, but seriously, we use this word so flippantly, holy, that we've lost sight of its meaning. You see, listen, the word holy speaks of God's, listen, not just perfection, his absolute 100%, that's all he could ever be, perfection. 100% perfect. He has no darkness. God has shadows. God has no sin within him. He, listen, he never does anything wrong, unlike you and I, ever. Why? Because he alone is Holy. He can't do anything wrong because he's holy. He's always perfect. He's always on time. He, he never does stuff. He never fixes stuff like we do, kind of haphazardly. God is perfect. He does it right every single time. He's not like us, not like man when we try to fix stuff. You know, we give it a good try, but it's not quite, you know, the best. Like, like let me give you some examples. Like, this guy fixed the kid's swing. You know what I'm saying? All right, the seat was busted, but Ron hates a milk crate. It still works, right? Right? it's pretty good. So he got the job done. You know, here, here's a guy that fixed the dent in the car. Right? Hey, listen. Hey. OK, so it doesn't match the paint. Woo-hoo-hoo. At least the wind's not going through there. Right? And stuff ain't flying out the trunk. Give me a break. Hey, this guy, he fixed the tailgate on the truck. Huh? You were just going to throw those rusty uh, chairs away. But no. And look, there's holes to it, John. It's aerodynamic. Saves on gas mileage. Huh? Think about it. People pay money for that stuff. But oh, no. Uh, hey, he fixed the exhaust problem. Huh? Woohoo! pass smog, yeah, give it up for Pringles, yeah. Hey, got the job done, right? Hey, hey, install the air conditioning you've been complaining about, especially here in Vegas, gets a little warm. Nobody's got air conditioning like you, honey, I'll tell you what. This is not my car, it's my wife's car. No, (laughs) hey, he also made you a fire pit. Look at that, man, that's not just a fire pit. Listen, you tell me what fire pit you can store the wood below and it's mobile. You talk about everything's going mobile nowadays. So he made you a mobile fire pit. That's some pretty serious uh, 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 technology there. And hey, you've been complaining you ain't got enough water to flush the toilet. Right? Give me a break. You got to just turn the knob. You got more than enough. I tell you what. And I don't know about you ladies, but sometimes we guys get tired of being accused of, you know, the lid and all that stuff. Hey, we'll fix it. You just put some duct tape on that, baby. Right? We fix it, right? Okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, as so you guys can see, you know, sometimes, you know, us guys, we try to do their best in fixing it. But yeah, okay, right? I'll admit it. We, You know, it doesn't always come out perfect. Okay. But here's my point. God is not like that. God is not even... A smidge how could that ever even come out of her mouth this that's not how he does things okay he is perfect all the time every single time first time out of the gates every single it's impossible for god to do anything like that anything wrong any it, that's what holiness means he cannot do anything wrong ever he's holy one guy put it this way anybody into golf you'll like this one this is a great analogy what, what does it mean god is holy And then he says to us, be ye holy as I am holy. Listen to this. One guy put it this way. He says, imagine a guy that could hit a hole in one on a par five. Listen, a hole in one on a par five. Okay, listen, not just once in his life, but listen, every single time he ever tried. But not only that, he expected you to do the same. That is a small idea in our brain to understand what does it mean that God is holy. But even that. In comparison to what the holiness of God means. And again, of all attributes, this one is mentioned not once, not twice, three times. No other attribute in the scripture is mentioned three times. You never see in the scripture, as cool as it is, God is love, love, love. You never see that. No, no, no. God is just, just, just. Well, he is, but you don't see it three times. We just finished. God is powerful. He is power. No, he is. We just spent seven studies on that. You never see, but you do see. God is holy. He is holy. He is holy. There's something sacred about it that we need to, I think, recapture. And I really believe that when we start to understand even the slightest idea of what this word holiness means when applied to God, listen. I think we would number one, we shut our mouths from any "how dare you." I say it all the time, but you know, people they start, "Hey, God, how come?" It? I'll stand over here when the lightning bolt gets you. (laughs) How dare you accuse God of ever doing anything wrong? And if it ain't happening in your time, guess what? He's still right. He is holy. I think, number one, we'd shut our mouths. Okay? Number two, I don't think we'd use that term in a casual way anymore. Holy whatever. So if we're going to understand the holiness of God and get back to this reverence for God to dispel this practical atheism... I think we better see what the holy word of God has to say about God's holiness. How about you guys? Hey, good answer, all one of you. We're going to do it anyway. Uh, But anyway, the first reaction we see, how the Bible describes God's holiness for us, because, hey, who cares what I think about it? Let's see what God's holy word says about him being holy, okay? And what it's like. Well, we see that, first of all, with the reaction of people. This is what I do every week, every day when I drive into the office. If you guys know, there's this building right over here, and it's got these uh, letters on it, KFC, right? Right? which you all know stands for keep feeling cruddy, if you want to keep eating there, right? But, you know, it's a nemesis. But but this is what we're going to see, the reaction of people. How many times uh, we use, oh, the presence of God. I had goosebumps in my goosebumps. What holy Bible are you reading? Because when people encounter the actual holy presence of God, they are absolutely freaking out. So what we're going to do, in essence right, is we're going to take a sneak peek into the virtual reality of God's holiness, right? And just like virtual reality, which I guess I guess is one of the hot items for, for Christmas, right, when people get introduced to the virtual reality goggles for the first time, have you noticed the reaction? They kind of freak out. I mean, there's videos all over YouTube on it, man, just people, ah, oh! right? In fact, believe it or not, I hear that Bill Wimberley got some virtual reality goggles and Let's see if we can't pull off uh, what his reaction was like today at sunrise. Let's take a look here.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you put it on Facebook. It's fair game, man. Public, public domain at that point. Okay, but as you guys can see, that is our manly man, chairman of the deacons, Bill Wimberly. And, uh, but, but again, he, first time he encountered it. Well, I would assume that's your first time, not the hundredth. But first time, whoa, whoa, whoa right? Now, when I first saw that, knowing I'm kidding, I'm going, man, that, that's the perfect analogy. Listen, in all seriousness, folks, what we're going to see, we're, we're, we're going to see people reacting just like that in the, the virtual reality of this book. Whoa, <gasps>
0: whoa.
1: It's going to make what Bill did pale in comparison when they encounter the virtual holiness of God, okay? We're going to bust it down. The first evidence of that is we see the reaction of the Israelites. The reaction of the Israelites. How did they react when they encountered the holy presence of God? Okay? Let's take a look at that. We see that account there in Exodus chapter 20 verse 18 through 19. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and they heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, what they do? Woohoo, party time. God's here. <laughs> They trembled with fear. Okay, this is God ascending on Mount Sinai, the presence of God, right? And what was their response? Listen to this. They stayed at a distance. And then they said this to Moses. Moses, speak to us yourself and, and, and we'll listen. But, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Whoa. That's pretty intense. I mean, so here we see the classic response. The Israelites, they've encountered the actual presence of God. He, he leads them out of Egypt. And in essence, he personally shows up to say, Hi. Right? On top of the mountain there. He's right there. Okay? And so the question is, what was the response of the, of the, of the Israelites? Was it like the American church today? Hey, God! <laughs> so good to see you! Glad you showed up, man, buddy old pal, old my. Come on over here, God! Give me a high five! Woo! Was that their response? Or did they tremble? Nearly two million people and they shook in terror. Oh, no. At the very voice of God. I didn't get to see him. And then they screamed, please, Moses, 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 please, don't let God speak. No, we're going to die. So you look at the biblical context. I, according to the word of God, one true glimpse of the holiness of God is something that will strike fear in your bones. Right? And dare I say, I think the American church has totally forgotten this of who God is. The second one that we see the example is Samson's parents. Okay, Samson's, the mighty man of God. parents, right? And, uh, and they need to have a baby, and God does a miraculous thing. But let's take a look at how did they react to the holiness of of God. Let's take a look at that uh, context. Judges 13, 20 through 22 As the flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Whoa. Okay, so now seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. Wow, face plant. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized it was the angel of the Lord. Whoa. We are doomed to die. He says, we have seen God. Oh. Whoa. So now we hear, we see the response of Samson's parents. You know, he becomes the mighty man of God. And, but his parents, here they were in the context. Uh, they were barren. They had no kids for who knows how long, dealing with that scenario there. And, and one day, God not only promises him a son, but he personally shows up to tell them the good news with the angel of the Lord. And so the question is according to the holy word of God, what was the response to the holiness of God? Was it like we see in the American church today? Well, it, it's about time you did something, God. Can't you see how long we've been dealing with this situation? Don't you see how much pain we're in? What is wrong? Better slap that off your mouth. Or did they crumble? They crumbled to the ground. And they screamed, oh no. Oh no, we've seen God. We're going to die. So according to the holy word of God, I'm taking one true glimpse of the holiness of God is something that will make you fear for your life. And, and I'd venture to say the American church has totally forgotten this. The third person to react is Daniel, the mighty prophet Daniel. How did he react when he encountered the actual holiness of God? Even through an angel. Daniel chapter 10, verse 7-9. through 9, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but just listen. They didn't see it, but there was a presence there. Listen to their response. But such terror overwhelm them that they fled and hid themselves nice friends right so I was left alone gazing at this great vision I had no strength left my face turned deathly pale I was helpless and then I heard him speaking as I listened to him I fell into a deep sleep my face to the ground he does a face plant the mighty prophet Daniel okay and here he is he's the great prayer warrior of God right this was not some casual guy It's the great, mighty prayer warrior of God. And what's the context? He was praying for about three weeks to get an answer from God on a situation. And so one day, God not only answers it, but he personally sends one of his, just one of his holy angels to give Daniel the answer. So the question is again, what was Daniel's response? Was it like the American church today? Well, now you tell me, God. Come on. You been, how long have I been praying about this and you just now give me the answer? Don't you see how much time could have been saved if you had
0: gotten here? When...
1: You better brush your teeth. Whoa! Or was Daniel, was he physically drained, causing him to drop on the dirt face plant? That was the response of just one holy angel of God what would it happen if it was the actual holy presence of god like the throne room scene so again you correct me if i'm wrong but i'd say according to the holy word of god one true glimpse of the holiness of god is something that will make you suck carpet real fast won't it when it shows up the fourth person to react to this is job job oh we never ask why 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 do we You guys are scared to move, I I, I get it, I get it, okay, well, let's take a look at that text there, Job. Now, this is after Job began to ask, why, 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 how come this, whatever, and then God shows up on the scene and basically gives uh, Job a a test, God gives him like 40-some questions, right, when Job is saying, well, how come God, how come I'm going through this, why am I suffering, and God, and basically the question is, hey, Job, were you there, When I created the universe, the stars, Job, were you there when I did this? Job, were you there when I laid the foundation there? Job, in other words, how dare you question me? So this is right after God questions Job with all these questions, basically give him an attitude adjustment. And listen to Job's response. You ask God, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Listen to Job. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. Listen, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. What's his response? Therefore, I despise myself. How can I say anything against you, God? And I repent in dust and ashes. Whoa. So here we see Job's humbling response. He's a great man of God, but he was doing what I hear some folks do. We do. We complain, we complain about how our life is turning out. And we start doing the same thing. We, too, as Christians, we know better, but we start to crack. Why? Why, why, why? And so one day, God personally shows up. He gives Job an attitude adjustment. And so the question was, what was Job's response? Flip it around. Is it like you hear in the American church today, hey, God, what's the deal here? How come i got to suffer like this? This ain't fair. This ain't right. Other people are like, don't you know what you're doing up there? I can hardly even say it in jest. Or, did Job literally moan in despair? Oh, no. Oh, I had heard about you, but now I've seen the real deal. I despise myself. How dare I? I I What? I repent. I'll never do that again, ever. In dust and ashes. So again, correct me if I'm wrong, but according to the holy word of God, one true glimpse of the holiness of God will cause you to shut your mouth. Right, reminds me of what Paul says in Romans 8. Who are you, O oh man, to talk back to God? Don't you understand who he is? He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. He does nothing wrong ever. And that's what questioning him, in essence, begins to go down that horrible path. And again, I would say this is something that the American church has totally forgotten. Let's deal with one more. I think that's about all we can handle. <laughs> Holiness of God. Let's take a look at Isaiah. Isaiah, just like John, he got to go to the throne room of God, right? Let's take a look at his response, the mighty prophet Isaiah, right? Here's what we see in that passage, Isaiah 6, 1, 3, 4, and 5. I saw the Lord, woohoo, seated on a throne, high and exalted in the train of his robe, filled the temple. That sounds like a song, woo. Do we have any idea what we're singing when we sing that song? All right, so he sees the Lord, and they were calling to one another. Oh, it's even here too. What? Not just once, not just twice. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts uh, and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean, unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Oh. So here we see the response again from Isaiah. It's, a, it's awesome. He's a, mighty, he's a mighty prophet of God. This is Isaiah. Again, Like this is not some casual guy, casual believer. No, no, no. And here he was privileged to see the very throne room of God himself in all his glorious splendor. I mean, this is it. Woo! How many times do we say, oh, I want to see you, Lord? We sing about it in a song. I want to see you. I want to see your presence. Show me your presence. Do you have any idea what you're asking? When you get back to the Holy Word of God's context, do you really want to see it? Because we see the response here of Isaiah. I said, wow. But isn't that the crime? And I'll use that word the American church today. Even when we talk about God's presence, show me your presence. Almost as if God is handcuffed to our request. Excuse me, he'll do whatever he wants to do. Oh, and by the way, this is a little pet peeve here. But when you say, "Hey God, you want you you're welcome here," when did He ever leave? He's omnipresent. Hello. Okay, but that's a side issue. But but what's the American church's attitude towards the presence? Hey God, show me your presence, God, so I can what? I can feel good. Oh God, spiritually entertain me. Woo, give me a high, a spiritual high. Yeah, oh God, I want goosebumps on top of my goosebumps. That's exactly how Isaiah responded. Please say no. Now, what was Isaiah's response? Whoa. Whoa. And he's not riding a horse, trying to slow down. This is bad. Whoa. I, I, I'm
0: as good as dead. I, I've seen the face of God. I'm doomed. Ah!
1: So, again, I'm just going by the holy word of God. One true glimpse of the holiness of God Will shock you to your core. And I'd say the American church is totally forgotten this. But you might think, hey, Pastor Billy, come on, listen, I don't know what happened. Right? Maybe somebody gave you a lifetime supply of bacon this year and you're all fired up. Right? No, that would be good if somebody did that. But anyway, this. I don't know what you I mean, Come on, man. You're, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, don't you think you're a little harsh here? Come on. Don't you think you're blowing it out of proportion, a little sensationalism or something? Stop and think about that comment. I hope you're not thinking that. Because even if you're asking that question, it reveals the answer to the question It shows us we still don't get it. We still don't understand the holiness of God, nor the consequences of not getting it. Again, I believe the greatest crime in the American church today is we have lost our reverence for God because we've lost sight of the holiness of God. Listen, and now we live in an age in churches where man is deified. God is humanized. God's no longer God. He is just our cosmic butler in the sky. A sugar daddy. Some sort of cosmic Santa who only exists to uh, satisfy our selfish desires. Excuse me? He is God. He's not our butler. He is holy. He is holy. He is, we submit to him. Now, if you don't think the church is being so flippant that it's all about self, I'm going to share with you now in this context some quotes from guys in the pulpit about who's really in control here. In light of this context, now see how it goes. And I hope it makes you st- stomach sick because it does mine. But we now, let's take a look at them. Self-worship. Frederick Price says, God can't do anything in this earth realm except what we, the body of Christ, allow him to do. Excuse me? Uh, So if man has control, he says, who no longer has it? God. Yes, you are in control. That's blasphemy. Can you imagine that? Benny Hinn, he said, when you say, I'm a Christian, you you're saying, I'm a little Messiah walking on earth. That's a shocking revelation. May I say it like this? You are a little God on earth running around. Christians are little messiahs, little gods on earth. Say, I'm born of heaven, a God-man. I'm a God-man. I'm a sample of Jesus. I'm a superman. Say it, say it. I ain't saying it's blasphemy. Coming from the pulpit, are you, excuse me? Paul Kraut says, somebody said, I don't know who said it, but they claim that you faith teachers declare that we're God. You're a God, I'm a God. Well, are you God? He says, yep, I'm a little God. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relationship. I'm a little God. Critics, be gone. No, you be gone. How dare you say that about God who is holy? He is holy. He is holy. Kenneth Copeland, he says, Jesus is no longer the only begotten Son of God. You're not a spiritual schizophrenic half God, half Satan. You're all God. You don't have a God in you. You are one. I say this with all respect so that it don't upset you too bad, but I say it anyway. When I read the Bible, he says, where it says, Jesus says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Holy, holy, holy. Kenneth Hagin said, the believer is called Christ. That's who we are. We're Christ. You're just as much the incarnation of God as Jesus Christ was. And one more, because it's sick, folks. Morse Cirilla says, you're not looking at Morse Cirilla. You're looking at God. You're looking at Jesus. No, I'm not. I'm looking at a false teacher heretic who does not understand the holiness of God. How dare you ever make that kind of statement from your mouth, let alone behind the pulpit? In light of what we just went through, just five. We just dealt with five encounters. Doesn't that make you sick? I don't use that word. It's sickening. It's blasphemy to the highest degree. And if you don't think that the American church doesn't understand the holiness of God, then here's my question. Why do these guys last in the pulpit? How can they last five seconds in the pulpit? Why are they still in existence today? If we understood the holiness of God, the first time any one of those guys said that, get out of here. Get out of here. Sh- we kick you out in the name of Jesus Christ. God is holy. How dare you? You will not blaspheme his name here. You should have kicked him out. But why are these guys? La- Maybe because we ourselves don't understand the holiness of God. But it doesn't stop there. It not only allows the entrance and the unfortunate remaining of false teachers, but blasphemous statements even. And it still goes on. But our lack of knowledge about the holiness of God not only allows the entrance of these false teachers, it paves the way for the exit of unbelievers because they're watching us. And back to that taxi cab driver, when they come into our environment and we're so stinking casual with God,
0: ah,
1: something ain't right. Now, I'm going to share with you, this is a true story, a letter that I received. This is a high school girl. And she wrote this letter to her high school friend, who invited her to church services. So the girl, she's not saved, but this letter she wrote back to her so-called Christian friend after she went. She said, I attended your church services yesterday. Although you had invited me, you weren't even there. I, I looked for you, hoping to sit with you, but I sat alone. As a stranger, I wanted to sit near the back, of uh, but-, but those pews were already packed with uh, regular tenders, so... I had one of the the deacons there, they they led me all the way to the front. I felt like I was on parade. During the singing of the hymns, I was surprised to note that some of the church people they weren't even singing. Between their sighs and yawns, they just stared in his face. Three of the kids that I respected on campus, they were whispering to one another throughout the whole service. They were on their phones the whole time, uh, playing games, another girl was giggling. I didn't expect that at your church. The pastor's sermon was really interesting, although some of the members didn't seem to think so. They looked bored and restless. One kept smiling to someone in the congregation. This is a real letter. One kept smiling to someone in the congregation. There were several people who left and then came back during the sermon, and I thought, how rude. I could hear the constant shuffling of feet and doors opening and closing as the pastor was trying his best to speak of the reality of faith. And the message, it did get to me. And I made up my mind to speak to somebody about it after the service, but after the service, utter chaos reigned after the benediction. I said uh, good morning to one couple, but their response was less than cordial. I looked for some teens with whom I could discuss the sermon with, but they were all huddled in the corner talking about the latest uh, secular music group. She said, my parents don't go to church services. I, I, I came alone yesterday hoping to find a place to truly worship and to feel some love, but I'm sorry, I didn't find it at your church Quote, and I won't be back. Whoa. I'd say a lack of understanding of God's holiness, which shows him being so stinking casual and flippant, really does affect other people, doesn't it? Our world... And I used to be one of these people. You know my testimony. We, we, honestly, I'll, I'll spill the beans. We could give a rip about what you say about God. We've heard all the speeches. Sometimes we've even read the books that you gave us. You know what people want? Substance. They want to see God, the real God, the one and only real God lived out in us, be ye holy as I am holy. And when we lose that side of God's holiness, we lose our reverence for God. And when we stop having a reverence for God, even the lost knows better. And they don't want to have anything to do with that casual God, which is not the God of the Bible. And I got to think about this. I mean, listen to these statistics. Could, Could this be why? I'm sure there's other factors, but now in this factor, in this vein. Could this be why the growth rate of the Protestant church right now is 0.3%? Not 3%, which is bad enough. 0.3%. Could this be why the bulk of North America, United States, and Canada has yet to respond to the gospel? Listen to this one. Could this be why currently 50 to 75 churches close their doors permanently every single week? Maybe we've forgotten about the holiness of God and we're paying a price and we're pointing fingers out in the world. Oh, the problem is the unholiness of the world or could it be the unholy behavior in the church where we've forgotten about the holiness of God and we're not emulating that? We've lost the secret. Why do you hear stories of revival? And God's holy word would be preached, and God's holy saints, the church would pray, and then we'd come together in holy fellowship. And then, when the holy gospel was given, people would run to the altar, face plant, drop on their knees, "Ah, save me, God!" How come that never happens anymore? Maybe we have forgotten about it. It's time we get back to real Christianity, amen. Holy. Christianity. Saints, that's the word for us. It's the word hagias, which means holy ones. It's time we get back to that. It's time we wake up and get right with God before it's too late. But I'll also say this. If you're part of a so-called congregation that refuses to preach and emulate God is holy. He is holy. You better get out of there. You better run. But it's time for us to wake up. We'll close in prayer
0: after this. A church that has forgotten its foundations. A church that's turned away from its beginnings and begins to become a harlot church. Just, just tell me how blessed I am. Just tell me I'm, I'm, I'm going to be powerful and popular and going to have no trouble in my life. Just tell me these things. Water down half-truths this gospel says just believe and get saved there's nothing of repentance nothing of godly sorrow nothing of turning from your sins nothing about taking up your cross and following the Lord but people who say a little prayer said you're fine you're good now we've revised that and said if you can get people for one hour on Sunday morning in a building that's the church that's not the church We can use every device we want to get people for one hour and keep it early and keep it moving and keep it going. But that's not the church Jesus built. And I'm embarrassed to be part of the church of Jesus today because I believe it's an embarrassment to a holy God. Most of our joy is clapping our hands and having a good time and then afterwards we're talking all the drivel of the world. Don't talk to us about holiness or separation from the world. Don't, we don't want to hear that folks. People today don't want to hear anything they call gloom and doom. If if it's not smooth, it's gloom and doom. Well, friend, let me tell you lovingly, go to hell and live with all the scum of the earth. You like to drink, go with the drinkers. You like to lust, go with the prostitutes. And if you don't believe this is happening in our generation, I challenge you to go to a Christian bookstore this week and find the bestsellers. Ask them which are the bestsellers and look at them. Look at the covers of the images of man, not the images of God. Five steps to be like me, five steps to better yourself, five steps to the new you, five steps to a wonderful destiny with their glossy faces on the cover. Not so subtly telling the church of Jesus Christ, if you use the principles of God, you will look like me and you became enamored with your own beauty and your whole theological focus now is how you can be smarter better better looking more prosperous you lost the call of god church when i see the church in the new testament they didn't have stately buildings they didn't have paid evangelists they didn't have a lot of money they didn't have organization they didn't get on tv and beg but i'll tell you what they did they turned the world upside down and I think we'd better watch this business of, you know, God loves you, God loves you, and all the bumper sticker sloppy evangelism. Will you remind people of the goodness and the severity of God? Will you remind them that there's a day when mercy is cut off forever? Will you remind them that people pray in hell, but nobody ever answers? But in spite of what God has spoken, they create a garment of fig leaves and they cover themselves and say, all is well, all is well. And they seek out a church that won't challenge their sin, that won't expose this hypocrisy for what it is. I'd rather you get mad at me and go to heaven. I want to challenge you with everything in me. Put away lifeless religion. Put away empty pursuits of God. Put away all of the deception of the carnal nature. Holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's God's words, not mine. Would to God that Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal pastors begin to stand up and see what's happening to the church that was once called the church of Jesus Christ. Backsliding, turning apostate, turning against the truths. Some who are listening even now and will be listening to tapes in the future you just can't lighten up and enjoy these theologically shallow experiences like so many around you are today everyone around you saying oh lighten up lighten up god's love god's good god's kind god is nice come to church in your bermuda church, stick your feet on the altar rail have a coffee and cookies with us we'll hear three point messages on nothing about god But there's a stirring in you, there's a stirring in the True Bride in this generation. But if the Holy Spirit is truly, truly upon you in this generation, you will not be satisfied. You will not be found among those who sit in supposed houses of God with your feet on the altar rail and a cup of coffee in your hand, listening to a PowerPoint sermon about a Christ they don't know.
1: Pretty sobering. I just watching that video again. I just thinking, once again, of God's sovereignty, His timing. I didn't plan this. Do you understand this? I didn't plan this. We finished the year out last year on a very strong message on get your love back for Jesus. Remember that? Three weeks. And here it is, the first Sunday of this new year. Maybe God's trying to get our attention to set this year off on the right course. Don't just love me, but you want to keep loving me? Don't lose sight of the fact that I am holy. I am holy. When we understand God's holiness and his absolute hatred towards sin and his wrath that will be poured out on sin, then we talk about Jesus. Then we talk about how he took God's wrath in our place, how he took every last one of our sins with him on the cross, wiped it clean. And then he gave us his righteousness. And God sees us right now as a saint, a holy one. And we have intimacy with him. You can't sing it the same way again. Maybe that's what God's doing. Get your love back. But if you want to keep it this year, all you got to do is remember, I am holy. I am holy. Will we reject this truth, Like the video challenged us. Or we're going to accept it and deal with it. American church, we have desperately got to get rid of this convenient Christianity, I call it. It is giving a false impression of who God is. God is not an unholy God. God does not condone with sin. He does not play with sin. He makes no excuses for sin. He is holy. He is righteous. He condemns sin. And we've got to get rid of this convenient Christianity. Listen, it's not just killing us as the church. It's killing our witness as the church. The world smells the duplicity. Come to Jesus, be saved. Saved from what? I look at you and apparently sin's not a big deal to God. There's no sting. There's no light shining in the darkness saying, it's exposed now. What's there to expose if we look the same as the world? But when we understand God's holiness and his charge to be ye holy as I'm holy, whoosh, you know what happens to the church? Boy, do we start shining. We don't even have to say nothing. You ever been in those circumstances? I didn't say a word. People are like, oh, oh, sorry, didn't mean to say that. You're getting your light back. You're getting your, why? Because you're just walking around doing what God says. I love him. He is holy. I can't believe it. He saved me in light of his holiness and all of the sin. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, and I'm staying away from sin because I want to be a proper witness to the people around me so they can understand, too, the dangers of sin and they need to get right with God. This is what we need to do this year. If the world's going to believe our message that Jesus Christ is the only way out of this mess, we have to start demonstrating with our lips and our lives the real God. He is real. Yes, He's personal. He's intimate. He's wise. He's sovereign. He's powerful. But He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. Let's bring that back and watch what God does to the lost around us. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get-A-Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven